Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome back to the Dynasty Wonderland podcast with me, the Mad Chatter, Brian MK. You can hit me up on Twitters and Instagram at RMK Madness. And as you, you all know, as always, by my side, my guy, the March Heron, the salary, a captain, my guy, Aaron Stewart, AA Ron Stu09 on Twitter. Check him out. My guy, happy Monday. What's going on? Oh, not much, man. As I always say, when we record on our normal schedule, Mondays are the days I look mm-hmm. forward to the most because we get true. to sit back, we get to talk some football. We've we've almost made it through probably the most incredibly boring month of football, which is July, where now we have training camps open. Mm-hmm. We've got all kinds of drama. It's we finally have content. We're not reaching for straws here. We got good stuff. No, no, the games will be much more fun from here on mm-hmm. out as well. But I did want to say, because mentioning recording on our normal night, I just want to mention a couple of things. Number one, make sure everyone checks out the podcast with a one Santiago Casanova. It was a bit of a hectic week with me going on vacation and everything. So we recorded on an off day and it was still an excellent pod. Nice little little interview between the salary captain and the Casanova at the end of the pod there. Good stuff. Make sure you all check that out. And we may again yet be recording on a day that is not a Monday, but we're, we're not going to say why. That's a surprise if, if it happens. Plus, we don't want to jinx it. We don't want to jinx it. So jinx it. it's in the works. Right. Yes. But this week, just week, it's it's just the two of us, Aaron. Just the two of us. We can make it if we try. Just the two of us. You and I. So we're going to rock this out, the two of us tonight, my friend. And before we get into the football, I got to say, fucking Bucks, man. The Milwaukee Bucks NBA champions. And I got to see it with my brother. Got to watch the game. We don't really, we're big ball fans and we never really get to watch much together because he lives up in the Buffalo, New York area. And uh, so you know, it was nice to be able to sit there and watch. He was kind of rooting for Phoenix a little bit, but it was still cool to see the championship one with him. And, and I liked seeing as much as it sucks to see Chris Paul go yet again without a title. Man, the Greek freak played such an amazing NBA. <laughs> like mm-hmm. he did some crazy shit. Some of those blocks, I was just like, oh my, the alley-oop to DeAndre Ayton that he blocked was just amazing. I mean, Giannis was playing crazy after being all banged up at the end of the the previous series. So it was just, it was a hell of a series. I was good with anyone winning it. I think it turned out great. Hopefully CP can find a way to make it back. There's rumors. He may go to LA to join Brown Brown. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, I really enjoyed the NBA finals, even though, you know, there wasn't quite the star power that most people expect. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Good series, a lot of fun. Good job, Bucks. What you got, Aaron? Yeah, the same. Um, honestly, I hadn't caught a lot of NBA basketball this season, but I will say when it came to game six, and I've been I've been following the games, and especially when the games are done, I always like look at box scores, kind of check to see how how players did, especially the plus minus stat. Um that that can always tell some signs on that that 
can usually tell you how teams are going to adjust mm -hmm. for the next game because that is one of my favorite aspects about NBA playoffs is that seven-game series, it's all about making the small adjustments, maybe changing right. the starting lineup or changing the rotations. And, and I did catch game six, and what a fantastic game. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. it was tied going into the fourth quarter. It was back and forth game. Um, mm -hmm. If one team started to pull away a little bit, then the other team got right back in it. And and you could tell, I mean, honestly, you could tell probably late in the third quarter, you're like, Milwaukee's got this. Like, yeah. just you, you could just bad. sense it almost like yeah. just no matter what Phoenix did, Milwaukee was just going to find a way to just get on top. Absolutely. And I, um, one last thing on this one was I, I picked Phoenix to win, but I also noted, I was, was like, Milwaukee's got a lot of size and, and yeah. that was, they ended up being the, being the thing. That's a massive mismatch because, you know, Giannis, who's basically seven feet tall is playing small forward out there. And, they just if they lost DeAndre Ayton, uh, they they had no answer for all those big guys, Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis, Giannis, you know, like three guys that are seven footers. So for Milwaukee, also props to them. They were down two games to zero in the series. Statistically, historically, like you go down two games to nothing, like yep. it, you're just about done. Um, and for them to turn it around and win the next four games, that's awesome. And also got to like that Giannis scored 50 points to clinch the first Milwaukee championship in 50 years. It's like, okay, like that's just, it, it was pretty cool, man. That's just fitting. And Giannis, you just, you can't hate Giannis. He's just, he's a very likable guy. And it was refreshing to watch an NBA finals where I didn't dislike either team. I was just like, right just watch basketball and enjoy what both teams are doing and yeah congrats to the bucks they they deserved it um as as for phoenix they ain't going anywhere you know they 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 got young talents devin booker andre mm -hmm. ayton they're, they're gonna be fine it's that's a tough loss but they can bounce back yeah. oh for sure and i think they'll be fine even if they lose chris paul because i think chris paul taught them some shit during his time there. And let's face it, they're going to need a younger point guard pretty soon anyway. So uh, we'll see what happens there with the NBA, but good stuff. Good series. Uh, have you seen the space jam two yet? No. And, and chances are, I'm probably not. And it's not <laughs> really for that. Uh, honestly, for, for me, it's, I mean, I grew space jam, the original space jam, like that's my childhood. And like, that's some shit. You love it. it. It is. It's that's what I grew up on. Like that's the one movie I remember watching over and over and over as a kid. Like I wanted to watch it. So it, watching the second Space Jam, I just I know that I'll be cynical. <laughs> right. So I, unless my nieces want to go see it and then I take it take them to it, I'm not like actively looking to go watch it. And it's nothing against that. It's just right. Sometimes you got something that you cherish from your childhood. You don't want to spoil it. So I feel you. I feel you. Uh, I am cynical and I am <laughs> proudly cynical. And uh, I did watch this. Uh, I missed a couple of parts here and there, but I, I watched it with the kids. Um, 
they didn't seem super into it. I'm pretty sure they preferred the older version themselves and they never mm-hmm. prefer the older versions because they look at them like, I tried to show these kids the Brave Little Toaster. That was one of my jams when I was a kid. I don't know if you Absolutely. ever saw the Brave Little Toaster. Oh, yeah. I tried to show this. They look at me like, dad, what the fuck is this? This is like some old ass, like these, <laughs> what is wrong with these characters? They look terrible. Like, I'm like, man, this is a classic. Y'all are missing out on the brave little toaster. Yep. Cause you're just too worried about how it looks like, sorry, sorry, sorry about the rap. But anyway, <laughs> Space Jam 2 <laughs> is, is definitely, it's got a few nice parts, funny parts, but, uh, yeah, overall, I'm just, you know me, not the biggest Braun fan. So there's a strike. And then, yeah. of course, it had to be Braun. I mean, Braun was the only one really you could do. So I get it, but it was just kind of like, eh. And not that Jordan was great at the acting, but I feel like Braun is 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 worse, much worse. <laughs> I've had, I, there was just a few parts where I was like, that that is some straight cheesy ticky-tack. Like, unless he meant for it to be like, it, it was just like, but I'm not going to say it was bad. So if you at some point have to sit through it, like it, you'll be fine. You'll get through it. All right. But it's also, if you never see it, you're not missing nothing. <laughs> yeah. So who knows? Maybe at some point I'll sit down and watch it, but I, I, I don't know. Even being an, an old space jam fan of the original, right. I just, I wasn't ever excited to see this. Yeah. So. I don't think you're missing out on anything, but I'm sure there's some people out there that love them some Space Jam, too. I know I loved me the new Mortal Kombat, and there was a lot of people out there like, what the hell is this? I'm like, it's fucking Mortal Kombat. What is it? Anyway, okay. (laughs) We move on because, you know, there's actually some news to talk about, Aaron. We have news. news. We have news. And uh, it's it's not all great because... uh, well, we're going to begin with the, the, the injury news. Yeah. Uh, which means that it, it is about infirmary time. We're creeping up on that at that point where Ryan's going to start writing up those infirmary reports. So uh, the chatter is going to get to that before long. And uh, yeah, as you mentioned, training camps are getting a going. And uh, mm-hmm. I know you and I, we took this one hard, uh, particularly me, because this is my guy, my RB1 in the Scott Fishbowl. <laughs> but Cam Akers, Achilles, I just, I, I need something, Chewy. Oh, hold me, Chewy. Aaron, please, but I just don't know. Oh, with, with Cam Akers, the dreaded ruptured Achilles injury. Anyone that's been on Twitter has been following and has seen the list of running backs that that have suffered the ruptured Achilles and how none of them have bounced back. But kind of the difficult thing on this one is none of those running backs were anywhere close to Cam Akers' level of talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the one thing that we will have to watch, and it was actually news from today, was that Marlon Mack, who also suffered a ruptured Achilles last year, mm-hmm. is cleared. He's 100% no PUP. He is playing. So for Acres fans in Dynasty, you can't do a knee-jerk reaction and sell because selling right now, you're getting the absolute worst value. Your best case is to hold. Like, even if it doesn't get any better, it's like you can, you know, that the price tag wouldn't change if it doesn't get and doesn't get any better. Mm. But 
people with acres in dynasty just need to watch and see how Marlon Mack looks. I mean, he's That's a very good point. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought this up. Keep going. Sorry. Yeah. So, and, and then one of the other things too, is there is actually a rookie, a rookie running back that suffered an Achilles injury in college. Uh, Kine and Wang and Wang Wu, uh, probably butcher the name, but the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. The Minnesota Vikings guy. Um, he yes, suffered. Sir. If you look at his college, college reference where it, that's basically the, the college version of pro football reference. Mm-hmm. You, you'll notice in his logs there, like the C, the 2017 season's just missing. And that's because he ruptured. He, I, I don't think it was a ruptured Achilles. I think it was an Achilles tear. I don't know how, like the difference between the two ruptures complete tear um, the a torn Achilles that could just be like a partial tear. So I don't know how those two can relate, but the, the positive news on that is obviously anyone that's gone to play a profiler and pulled him up, like they've seen that he is one of the best athletes at the running back position. It was a 91st percentile spark X score. So there are encouraging signs with Kine that maybe Cam Akers can get that explosiveness back. Watch Marlon Mack this year and how he does. I, I honestly expect that if for Mack, or, or sorry, for Akers, that obviously is out this season. I wouldn't expect a whole lot the next season, but that following year, which would be the last year of his rookie contract, that's where you'll kind of know. So you're kind of stuck playing the long game, but trading them right now. I mean, what, what, what is anyone offering? You know, you anything less than a first round pick, like, why why would you trade them? So well, ah, sucks for acres. <clears throat> I'm going to tell you some of my thoughts, but I'm going to begin with an offer that I got. Somebody offered me Michael Thomas and a first round pick for Cam Akers and Logan Thomas. I plan on declining this one because I'm not a big Michael Thomas fan. I have never been a big Michael Thomas fan. I understand he's a good wide receiver. I understand he, what he's done in fantasy. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm okay. If he's not on my roster, I had him on one roster. I traded him year and a half ago, maybe. So <clears throat> not really into that, but he does have Brandon Ayuk. Now I don't need necessarily any receiver help in this league, but I'm considering countering acres for Ayuk because I do have an abundance of good receivers. So I could potentially, you know, make a move for another running back, but uh, I, I'm of the opinion it's time to trade Cam Akers mm-hmm. because as you said, by the time he really gets to that, we for sure will see potentially the real Cam Makers again. And it could happen next year, you know, halfway through towards the end of the year. But he's going to have to get back in, get in the football shape, all that. So I imagine, like you said, we'll really see him be kicking some ass in that fourth year, which again, last year, the rookie contract. And that's right when you want to begin. So if you want to hang on to him and see if you, you, you know, use him next year and then hope that fourth year he busts out and you can trade him then. But the thing is people are getting smarter and smarter with running backs and they know there's less and less people willing to trade for running backs as they age, or at least pay what you can pay for. So, you know, me, I like to get, I was getting rid of Cook and Zeke left and right this offseason, not because I don't think they're going to have a good year, because I'm worried about the year after that. And I'm worried that people will be catching on to that 
after this year. You know what I mean? So I'm trying to get these guys and it sounds terrible, but I'm trying to get these running backs young, use them for a few years and then trade them. And Cam Akers, this injury is taking away the window where I wanted to use him, you know? So for me, in Dynasty, I'm going to trade him. So I, I was sent you that message about the Ayuk idea and you thumbs up. So I think Absolutely. I'm going to counter with it and see what happens because that's the kind of move I'm down to make. I, you know, I'm not going to give him up for peanuts or give somebody a discount just because he got hurt. That Like, obviously, he's not got the same value, but I'm, I'm not going to take a weak offer just because he of this injury. But yeah, something like that. I'm just not interested in the Michael Thomas, but, but yeah. So I, I guess I would rather, you know, get out from under acres than play the long game. That's kind of my position on that. And as far as guys behind him, I mean, I, I listened to recent pod father, um, his recent podcast, and I tend to agree with him. They're probably going to sign somebody at some point. I mean, yeah. fuck, Duke Johnson is still out there. And he was mentioning they, you know, they could even trade for somebody a la Marlon Mack, you know, and I think that's possible. I I mean, there's a few guys that I can think of that could potentially become available in trade. And and again, right. there's a few guys on the waiver that are free agents waiver wire, that, you know, they could totally sign. So I do think, like I mentioned to you via text as well, that Xavier Jones is worth a pickup. I already had him on a few taxi squads. So I felt pretty good about that. Yeah. Well, he was someone um, last year in the undrafted free agents article that I wrote about and um, heard nothing from him last year, but I was like, I'm going to hang on to him, you know, and all the leagues I had him, I was like, I'm gonna hang on to him one more year on the taxi. And uh, lo and behold, this happens. So we'll see. I still expect you know, um, them to add somebody, but uh, did this Daryl Henderson craze, I, I've, I saw some people doing some victory lapping on this shit and I don't understand. How do you victory lap a backup running back? Like any starting running back can get like, yeah. <laughs> like, and, and again, I don't think Henderson's even going to be like it, it. I don't think this is a one for one like these Daryl Henderson fans seem to think. I don't think this is going to be Henderson just comes in and does what Cam Akers was. I don't think that's the case. So, yeah. and we're going to get into that a little bit with our our, our game, some more Daryl <laughs> Henderson talk. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm coming from as far as what I would do with him in Dynasty um, and kind of who I'm looking at. Uh, you know, Xavier Jones is the one I'm looking at right now. So uh, you want to add on to that before we move on to the previously mentioned Michael Thomas? Well, most of my thoughts, I, I'm actually going to defer and save it for when we talk about Daryl Henderson a little bit later in the podcast because it's there, there really isn't anything – specific to acres uh that we haven't already discussed if you're a dynasty owner it is just a really crappy situation because definitely likely he he was very possibly your top dynasty asset as a player and it just goes to show like football happens and you have to be ready ready to pivot yep yep it's it's all part of it and that's why i was like at first I was really bummed and then I just was like, okay, 
what leagues do I have acres and who's interested? I'd yep. like, that's the immediately the next step I went to. So it's, it's just what it is, but uh, okay. So we move on to Michael Thomas had surgery. Sounds like he's going to miss the first part of the season. And uh, you know, I was already big on guys like Traquan Smith, Marquez Calloway, Adam Troutman. <laughs> and now, now, yes. Uh, and, and hopefully this is the Jameis Winston show, and we could see Jameis Winston chucking it all around with his new laser eyes to Tracon Smith, Marquez Calloway, and the Troutman. That's that's what I'm looking forward to. I like it. And one of the things uh, that I have in my notes on this one is I, I believe the last thing I heard on this one, the rough timeline of when, when to expect Michael Thomas is he'll probably be out for at least half of the season. And even then it's who knows what shape he'll be in. And, and I, I looked at the depth chart and I tried to kind of go, okay, how is this all going to work out in terms of roles? Cause anyone that, that dives a little bit deeper into football knows that the wide receiver position is actually three separate positions. And sometimes, you know, you're reading about things and you're like, what does it mean when a receiver says that he's learned all three positions? Cause obviously we know slot receiver, um, and then on the outside, you, you, you have two outside receivers. One is like your X receiver that's usually being guarded by the top cornerback. And then the other is flanker, uh, which is kind of a hybrid of a slot and outside receiver. One of the interesting things with Traquan Smith is he – so I'll start with saying Marquez Callaway will be the replacement for the Michael Thomas role. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that necessarily means he's going to out target Traquan Smith, but no, Michael Thomas is the X receiver there. A lot mm-hmm. of people think because he's the slant King and, and slant routes are usually like a slot receiver specialty route. Right. Michael Thomas didn't really play in the slot much at all. It was something about 14% of his snaps last year. Uh, he was primarily an outside receiver and, and that's exactly what Marquez Callaway was uh, last season too. He, he ran just 20% of his snaps from the slot, which is that's probably about like, that's about average, but mm. Traquan Smith though, he played over 50% of his snaps from the slot. So Traquan Smith, I don't think he's going to be used as much in the slot but instead like he will be more the flanker because they don't have outside receivers. Like there's Callaway and then Traquan Smith, who they love to use as a blocker too. So like a flanker would be perfect because it's usually the guy that you're putting in motion as well. Mm. And, and then if, if they do that, if Traquan's playing on the outside as a flanker, you can put Deontay Harris as a slot receiver. He's kind of a gadgety type guy, right. but they, they like designing some plays for him. And then one guy to really keep an eye on. I mean, I'm trying to temper my expectations, but it was a guy that caught my attention before the draft because his athleticism stood out, especially the burst score, which that seems to be a New Orleans Saints like specialty. They love guys with top tier burst. And that is Kawan Baker from, I believe, the University of Southern Alabama. So it's, it's a small school. But go look him up on Player Profiler in, in, in the Breakout Finder app, too. Like, Kawan Baker had a, a decent breakout uh, rating as, as well. He, he's a guy that I – he's been on my radar uh, already. But there, there's not a – like, besides Callaway and Traquan Smith, that receiving depth chart is – it's barren. And, and that's perfect for a guy like Kawan Baker, a seventh-round rookie, 
to possibly get some playing time. I mean, I like Marquez, Marquez Callaway uh, last year, undrafted. Deontay Harris, who we talked about, is he's going to get he's going to get plenty of snaps in the slot. Undrafted the year before, so New Orleans doesn't really care so much about oh you're an undrafted or a seventh round pick. Like these these types of guys, they target usually tend to get on the field there. So that bodes well for Mister Kawan Baker. Maybe doesn't do anything, but you picked up Marquez Callaway last year. You weren't expecting anything, and he had that one one game where he had what was it like seven catches or something. It was. Yeah. It was, oh, a 10-target game with eight catches, 75 yards. So, Baker's worth a pickup in Dynasty. And, and if he doesn't do anything, oh, well, you move on from him. Yep. But Kamara is going to be the, the – <laughs> Kamara was a guy I, I thought was not going to be targeted as much. This changes things. You lose your top receiver, you're usually going to go to, like, your security blankets. So, yeah, Kamara is going to be targeted plenty. And then Adam Troutman in, at tight end, this just – Great news for for people that have been super high on Troutman. It's, I mean, Troutman could be the number two option in this. Like it, it right. may be that Camara's one, Troutman's two, and then the receivers. Right. And I definitely agree um, because I did fail to mention Kamara that he is the number one beneficiary. Mm-hmm. I'm just excited to see a little more Traquan, a little more Marquez Callaway to see if yes. he can continue to develop. And then, like I said, Troutman, you said big bump for Troutman. So, you know, it, it's seeing some of these guys, but yes, Camara, deaf, obvious beneficiary, number one. So we move on. <clears throat> this one doesn't seem to be as big a deal, but Saquon, Saquon, I can't talk. Saquon Barkley placed on the pup. Okay. Doesn't seem to be a big deal. Seems like he still should be taken off by week one. Mm-hmm. Are you concerned? What have you heard? I, I, I'm not. I mean, it sounds like he's on track. I mean, I, I would say they're probably going to take it easy with him. And there's probably going to be people, if Saquon doesn't start the year off banging, that are going to start to panic a little mm-hmm. bit. And that might be a good time to pounce and try and make a trade offer, if you know what I mean. Because they've been waiting for him to come back yeah. from this injury. And, get, and then if he comes back and is it quite to normal right out the gates, may panic into a cell mode. So... I think that's maybe just strategically something to keep in the back of y'all's brain. But other than that, I, I'm not concerned. I think he's going to be fine. Yeah, especially in redraft, no concerns whatsoever. Uh, and it's mainly because there's not a lot of running backs that can do what Barkley does. They, these right. types of running backs that are going to be a factor on the ground and in the passing game. And, I mean, if some of the teams at the top of the draft, if they're worried uh, – I understand the concern, but Barkley starts to slide to the middle of the first round. You, you definitely have to pounce at that point. It's just like it's a it's a risk reward uh, at that point. The the torn ACL was early week two. Um, actually, as as we record, so his his surgery to repair his ACL was October thirtieth. So we are approaching the nine month mark. Everyone, I I feel like everyone that plays fantasy football at least knows with ACL injuries that nine months is usually what it takes if even if it's a little longer like the it's 12 months is the max but that's that is if rare Mm. (laughs) on that um so and 12 months would put well that would put him in in october but still like he he should by the start of the regular season 
should, should be a hundred percent. Yep. I, in dynasty, maybe there could be some concern because he had a high ankle sprain his second season. And then the following season, the torn ACL, it's like ligaments, ligaments are that, that's bad news for running backs because right. ligaments are like rubber bands. You can stretch them, but they, they don't always keep that elasticity um, of the ligaments. I'd rather broken bones than, than ligaments. Not that I, I don't want any injuries for running backs, but for people that have forgotten what Barkley's capable of, because basically we haven't seen him for a season, you know, he yeah. played one full game and barely into the second this is how he ended the 2019 season in PPR leagues. He had a 30.3 game in week 15 followed by 43.9 in week 16 and then 20.7 fantasy points in week 17, like a 30, 40, 20. Like that's, that's why you can't be fading him. Like, yes, you may have to be patient because sometimes these injuries it's, it's more mental. It's that mental block of like players are afraid to cut um, because they don't want to tear the ligament again. So it's, you might have to be patient the first half of the season. And then the second half of the season, boom, like that, that could be, if you're able to survive and just remain, like let's say the first six, six weeks, six to eight weeks, like you're at 500, you know, three and three, four and four, somewhere around there, you're at least like staying in the hunt there. And then you get a healthy Saquon Barkley that, that's suddenly cutting and everything. Right. It'd be great. So no concerns in redraft dynasty a little bit. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. So injury news out the way into a little bit of quarterback news. Deshaun Watson is reporting to camp a little chatter about what this means. I mean, the investigation is still ongoing. My guess is at some point he's not going to be it's exemplist suspension something um i don't think this shit's going away i'd be surprised if he's playing week one and uh you know we'll see it sounds like houston's open to trading him they're asking for at least three first round picks um so we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens surrounding that situation uh still a lot to be determined there yeah. with green bay it sounds like Aaron Rodgers is coming back reportedly sounds like they're going to be, and this makes the most sense if you ask me, but it sounds like they're trying to work on an agreement where he plays this year and then they'll end the relationship after the season. I think this is great. This would be perfect for both sides. So, and that's kind of what we expected that a A rod would be back for at least this year. And that, you you know, we'd get our normal Packers offense and where it very much sounds that way. So Aaron thoughts on the quarterback news. I'll say that the Aaron Rodgers one was pretty interesting that they restructured. Like I, that wasn't how I expected it to, to go. And, but you know what, that is probably for the best. And in fact, I saw that news and I'm like, Oh man, my whole like article schedule this week on what I was going to write out the window. Cause guess what? I'm going to be working on a transaction implication piece on the Aaron Rodgers restructure contract, what that means for the current Packers. And then I'm going to see if I can maybe speculate a little bit on where he's going to go. Obviously we know one of the teams that has been rumored from day one, but you know, I'm going to see if maybe I can connect some dots there, but that is, I'm curious to see if that's going to start a trend 
in the future with like notable players that are at odds. Like I, I, I can't wait to get the official details on what this new contract is. Right. Cause you um, wonder if this is maybe something that uh, maybe a Russ Wilson and the Seahawks try and pull off next year. You know what I mean? Because they seem to be heading towards some shit this off season. So um, yeah, it's pretty interesting, man. Absolutely. Sorry, did you have anything else on? No, really with Deshaun Watson, it's, I'm almost like fatigued with it. You know, I just. Me too, man. I I, I think it hit all the points. Like expect a suspension. And yeah, I, I think the Texans, you follow all their moves. I mean, the fact that their very first draft pick, yes, it was a third round pick, but still, that was a, a horrible roster. And yet their very first pick was a quarterback and they signed to Rod, to Rod Taylor. And oh, who was, who was, who is it? The, the former Broncos quarterback. I'm blinking on his name. But, I know you're talking about too, but I can't think. Yeah, of but, but they've brought in some veteran guys. Not that these guys replaced Deshaun Watson, but still you bring it. It seems that they have been wanting to distance themselves from Watson. Uh, we've seen Watson play his last game for the Texans. 100% agree. All right. And speaking of transactions and their implications, I did just a couple little things before we head to our break. We did have the Anthony Miller to Houston. Mm-hmm. Now there was also some chatter out there. I couldn't, I didn't have time to decipher whether it was a bunch of bullshit or if it was actually some truth to it, but something about Randall Cobb being attached to the Packers. And maybe that has something to do with it, but I don't know. Anthony Miller to Houston. I still like Anthony Miller. I'm glad to see him out of Chicago. He may or may not do anything, but I'd like to, and he's going to a shit team, but I'd like to see away from Chicago where he could just never, you know, really get going truly there. He had some moments, but I'd like to see him away from there and see what he can do. There is some opportunity in Houston. So we'll see. And then D.D. Westbrook signing with Minnesota. I thought this was interesting because I think a lot of people were expecting, you know, someone that was already on the roster to kind of take that number three spot. Uh, I never believed it would be someone like a Chad Beebe, but there was people that, you know, that were on the BC Johnson train and then some that were on the uh, Amir Smith Marset train. And uh, then along comes Dede Westbrook. And to me, that's interesting to me. That's the Vikings saying, I think we need someone else here and it wouldn't i haven't seen the contract deal details or anything like that not sure what they're paying him um but i do think that i I was a fan of westbrook so i find this one a little bit interesting um potentially you know Thielen's had some trouble with injuries the past couple of years been a little banged up uh should he deal with anything like that this year i mean that we don't know how it'll all end up, but that could potentially put D.D. Westbrook as the number two on the Vikings. And that's worthwhile having on your roster. So I, I, th- I think this signing is interesting. But like I said, I haven't seen any of the contract stuff or anything. So but th- there's this, the D.D. one might be a better football move than a fantasy football move. Um, but I, I find both of the transactions at least a tad compelling. 
Yeah. And, and I'm going to start with the Anthony Miller one. So I finally got the details of the trade too, because when it first got announced, it was something about, Oh, there'd be a late round swap. And I'm like, usually that type of stuff is like, okay, Anthony Miller in a seventh round gets traded for a sixth round, but, but actually the, uh, the Texans gave up a, a fifth round pick still a day three pick. It's nothing. Right. It's going to change anything, but I think that does secure Anthony Miller's like spot on the Texas team. Like, you, for a team that's already bad, you don't want to and give that a needs fifth their round picks. Pick. Yes, you don't want to give a fifth round pick for a player that doesn't even play a game for you. So it is interesting because then when you look at Anthony Miller, the the thing that he does in the NFL is he is strictly a slot receiver. That's how he's been utilized. He had 490 slot snaps. That was that was within the top 10. Uh, of all receivers last year. Mm. And what I did think was interesting, and I think we're able to connect some dots here because you mentioned Randall Cobb. Well, Randall Cobb and Kiki Kuti are two receivers on the Texans that were primarily utilized out of the slot, especially Cobb. Cobb was Cobb was basically Anthony Miller. Like that's mm. just about all the snaps he played. Cobb also doesn't make a lot of sense for the team because he's this aging veteran. This team should be trying to get younger. Now, the problem is Cobb's contract was god-awful when he signed it in Houston because it was, if you remember, that was the Bill O'Brien. It was like a three-year, $27 million and like so much guaranteed money, like so much. It was, I want to say, it was at least $18 million of it. I think $18 million was in signing bonus, and then it also guaranteed like his first year. Like just about all the money on the contract was guaranteed, if I remember that correctly. Mm-hmm. But the Texans are in a spot where it money doesn't matter. Like that shouldn't stop them. They, they should move on from Randall Cobb. Kiki Kuti was actually good. He was like much Kiki. better than Cobb. Yeah, yeah. I, I like Kiki. He's had an up and down career in and out of the doghouse, but it seems that Anthony Miller is safe and he's coming for one of those two jobs. And, and my thought is you move on from Cobb. Now, Kiki Kuti, they could move on from him too. It's, it's a new organization. Neither guy's job is safe, but Anthony Miller is going to have a role. Uh, this doesn't affect like Nico Collins for people freaking out. Like Nico Collins should be an outside receiver and, you know, Brandon Cook's going to be on the outside. So I guess that's probably your projected top three receivers when you go three wide is that you're going to have Brandon Cooks, Nico Collins, and Anthony Miller. Miller, young, talented guy. Just a lot of the stuff that you read, too, it just seems that he needs to learn some professionalism, you know, showing up to team meetings on time. Um, it's never been a question of talent, but the work ethic. And that's something, you know, we Mm. saw with like Johnny Manziel, like you can have all the talent in the world if, but you get to the NFL, everyone's talented. Now, my only thing with that real quick to interject is, is it work ethic or attitude? Because I think, because there comes a point when like, say if I've had a shitty kitchen job, I'm going to give 110% in my job effort. But I just might have an attitude towards dickhead coworkers or dickhead <laughs> management. You know what I mean? So I can understand if, if someone's they're still doing their part, but maybe they make a little bit of a ruckus. Maybe they're a little bit mouthy. <laughs> and of course, you know, coaches in particular aren't going to like that kind of shit. No, nobody in power likes when 
those underneath them are are not more silent and obedient. They don't like the ones that pipe up. I've always had an issue with that in restaurants because I have no problem telling a manager how I feel <laughs> or how I, or that I feel he's fucking up. I have no problem doing that. And sometimes that's that. So managers have a tough time. They're like great cook, but man, he's an asshole. <laughs> so like, but it, you know, I, I do agree if there's problems with work ethic, especially if you've been around a few years, but I, I, I'm just always willing to just give a tad benefit of the doubt, just because maybe you just hated the situation you were in and you were, you know, just ready to get out. And I'm always just willing to see what happens with the guy in new surroundings. You know Certainly. what I mean? Sorry. I went way too long on that. Longer that's than all right. And, and what you. I'll say is like Anthony Miller, if you're a fan of Anthony Miller, you really can't think of a better spot for him to land because there's opportunity really is what, right. what it comes down to. Um, now for the bears, I, a lot of people have been like wheels up for Darnell Mooney. I, I, I hate to break it to you. Anthony Miller doesn't like, this doesn't affect Mooney at all. Like, Mooney right. never played in the I shouldn't say never, but he barely played in the slot. Like what this what this does affect is the the writing was on the wall for Anthony Miller way back before the NFL draft. There was talks that going into the draft, they were shopping Anthony Miller. And then the Bears actually made a draft pick. It was late. It was a six-round pick, but it was a guy that played, it was a receiver that played solely in the slot. Daz Newsom, who then broke his collarbone, but is actually almost recovered from it just in time to maybe make a late push for that slot position. And actually the timing of the trade, maybe, maybe Daz Newsom is ahead of schedule already and is already playing. Maybe right. they just liked him that much. So Daz Newsom is a guy to watch, especially in dynasty. Chances are he's available. Uh, they, they do have some veteran or wide receivers, but the the one interesting thing is you look at all the veteran receivers, so not Daz Newsom, the one receiver that played the most amount of snaps in the slot on the Bears from last season is Allen Robinson. Mm. But they move Allen Robinson in the slot because you look at all these other guys, Darnell Mooney, he's a speedy guy, so is Damier Bird. Like maybe they have two fast guys on the outside, let Allen Robinson just destroy nickelbacks. Something, something to think, think about on that one. Um, right. Maybe Jimmy Graham's coming utilized as like a slot receiver. Um, yeah. It's interesting, but you, the people that follow the NFL should know that this Anthony Miller trade, we've been expecting this. And if you're a smart dynasty player months ago, you already picked up Daz Newsom, so that when your league mates are running to the waiver wire to pick up the possible replacement, you already have him. And he may still be there because he got injured. Right. Um, as for like D.D. Westbrook, just real quick, the, the, the one thing I thought was pretty cool was the Vikings receiving coach, Keenan McCardell, is oh. actually the former Jaguars receiver coach with dd westbrook so like that's that's where that connection (laughs) oh yeah long time that is that is old school yeah that is definitely that's where the connection like that that's how dd made it to minnesota and honestly for dd westbrook like i i know he was he was injured for most of last season and and Mm. forgotten about but 
he he had been productive up until last season and right. it's honestly been kind of shocking that there hadn't been any i i guess what it came down to i think it was he tore his acl and that's probably why he hasn't signed with the team until now because usually if, especially if you're a free agent and you are already kind of a fringe nfl player you know mm. you're not the star player or anything um then it's you're usually having to first show to teams that you're healthy and then you can sign. So this good, great landing spot for him because as you talked about, yeah, as you talked about, it's like, obviously the top two spots are already there. We know it's Justin Jefferson and it's Adam Thielen, but Mm. for a guy that's trying to show the league that he still got it, even coming off an ACL injury, you're competing with BC Johnson, Chad Beebe, like you're, you're going to be like, that's that is ideal competition. Right. I'm sure D.D. Westbrook went, yeah, I got this. Right, right. Yeah, I like it. I like it. And with the Bears, you were talking about the, you know, the could they possibly play Tariq Cohen in the slot a bit more too? Possibly. Because I, I looked the past couple of years, he's only playing, you know, 30-some percent in the slot. And uh, 2019, I think, was a little bit better. If it'll click over 49% in the slot. But again, when you've got Anthony Miller there, you don't really, you know, have to use him. So without Anthony Miller, maybe that's part of the thinking too, is to get Tariq Cohen a little more involved in the passing game. That's just a thought that popped in my head while you were talking. I like that. And that's that's an excellent point on that one is that Tariq Cohen, Cohen, who's like a a human joystick is like, Mm. and, and not a, not going to be utilized as a run back. That's a Darren, say Darren Sproles. Of course, if you go to Tariq Cohen's player profiler page, his best comparable player is Darren Sproles. So, yeah, that's that's an excellent point. Maybe that is the plan at the slot. Seems that they have some options there. That will be fun to watch, but they definitely at least had the receiver in Daz Newsom that was like, ah, like this yeah. is – like this is probably why they drafted Daz Newsom because they wanted a slot receiver so that they could move on from Anthony Miller. Right. For Miller, no. you yeah. hope the change in scenery is good. So no, I love the Newsom call for sure. I just wonder if this might be just a little bit of a perk up for the the those who Absolutely. are rostering Cohen as well. So <clears throat> all right, man. That's good stuff. Any rando football thoughts this week, buddy? Now that we're through the news, all I got is I, I fucking hate injuries. We find ways to work through them, but I hate them. That's all I got. Same. Uh, no random football thoughts this week, but maybe it's because there was so much going on. Yeah, it's, it's, it was like an explosion <laughs> after so long of, of, of nothing. It was like, yep. it was like the NFL news was edging itself for like months. <laughs> yep. Abs- absolutely. So then it all, it was, just a Players massive explosion of, of news. <laughs> it, it was it was massive. PUP, injuries, COVID, it, everything. <clears throat> it's like, oh my gosh, I don't think I was ready. I don't think I could have even prepared myself. So no, yeah, it was so crazy. You, my apologies. Oh, no random football thoughts from me. <laughs> no, although I did see uh, that 10 teams are 90% vaccinated. So I thought that was pretty crazy. 10 teams, a third, about a third of the league, 90%. That's not bad. We'll see. We'll see how it gets. I, I imagine that'll continue to climb, but we'll see how it goes right. as the COVID questions will swirl around the season. Cause you know, they also put out that memo and there's, it sounds like there could be forfeits. They came out and they were like, look, oh, yeah. 
we're not rescheduling shit. They were basically like, like there's not going to be any extra weeks at the end of the season. Like we're going to get all these fucking games in and <laughs> you're going to get fined if you fuck it up. And I'll say as a writer that did Thursday night football games last year, and I'm going to be doing Monday night football games this year to hear that there's not going to be any reschedules. It's like, Oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> That was that was just horrible. That was stressful every single week. So on that, I I agree with the NFL. No more rescheduling. <laughs> yeah, I get you. Well, I mean, it's it, it's just crazy because on the one hand, it's like yeah, everybody just fucking be smart about it. But I, I, on the other hand, it's like uh, you, you know the NFL just wants to make sure they get that TV money. <laughs> <laughs> They got to get the money. So it's like, you know, hey, they're being pretty uh, hard-lined about it, but it is what it is. It's the NFL. We'll see how it goes. Enough of that. A lot of fucking, like like I said, an explosion of news. Now that we've got through that, taking a quick break, and then we're going to come back and get into a good old wheel game. That's right. That's right. And uh, we're going to have some fun, have some fun to close this out. So break time, and we'll be right back Okay, everyone, ah, the chatter, the heron, we're back, we're back, and we're ready for a little bit of a wheel game, and this wheel game is called uh, Who Do You Choose, and it's a little, uh, you know, if you've watched some Alice in Wonderland with a Who Are You by the Caterpillar, Who <laughs> Do You Choose, and so we have six different sets of names here, and we're going to spin it. Aaron's going to go first. Each spin will go back and forth and you'll have a few minutes to, uh, dis- you know, discuss your opinion on who you choose for the year of 2021. So it's not a dynasty, just 2021. Who do you like better? Who do you choose for 2021? So, and then of course, we'll let the other person get a quick uh, response in. So we're going to start it out. No points or anything. I'm not going to pick on you, Aaron. It's just a nice, nice way to get <laughs> a nice friend, nice friendly way to get through the topics. So here we go. Who do you choose, Aaron? Here we go. And right off the bat, right off the bat. I wanted this one. Oh, Anderson. man. Daryl Henderson from the Rams, Chase Edmonds from the Cardinals. Take it away. I'm going to start off with this one. I am legit angry. Angry, Ryan. I'm, I'm angry at this. I'm angry at the Daryl Henderson just BS stuff. The stuff is getting out of hand. You discussed this at the start of the show, that Henderson, he's a backup running back. And also been doing research into running backs that have been drafted in the past decade and the tendency of teams, because teams can lie. They can, they can tell you lies, but they cannot lie with their actions. Correct. They told you exactly what they thought of Henderson. They traded up for Henderson in the draft. 
They, they traded two late third rounds to move up to pick 70 to take them. And then realized the next year, Henderson's not the guy and they drafted Cam Akers. I get it. I know right. Akers is gone. But these people out here thinking that Daryl Henderson is going to have a workload like Cam Akers. I read an article on PFF that just had me fuming mad <laughs> because A, PFF expects you to pay for their content. And in this article, and it, it pains me because I like Ian Harditz, but he ranked Henderson over, this is quotes from, from his article, he ranks Henderson over Dobbins, Miles Sanders, Javante Williams, and Get Kareem the Hunt. Fuck out of here. That was my re- that was my reaction to that. I said, this is so fucking stupid. This, this is fantasy football malpractice. You expect people to pay for your content, and that's what you're going to put out there. No, there's nobody in their right mind that's taking Daryl Henderson over any of those guys. You're ranking them because currently in this moment, Daryl Henderson is the only notable running back there you know that this team's going to add someone you know that even if they don't even if it's xavier jones and jake uh and jake funk like they're not daryl henderson it's jake funky town Mm -hmm. they they are not gonna feed daryl henderson this uh, this undisputed workhorse running back that's not what henderson is he's never been that in the pros he's never been that in college he's not going to be that in 2021 and you're sitting here telling people that pay for pff that that freaking daryl henderson is your rb20 that's stupid that's stupid that should get you fired like i i know i'm a little heated on this one but you could tell where i'm going with on, on this one i'm I am taking Chase Edmonds, but it's mainly because Daryl Henderson, that that ADP is going to be out of hand right now. They're, they're about the same, but even then Daryl Henderson is a non-factor in the receiving game. He's a complete non-factor. He's really good runner. And that's what we saw with when we had Santiago on the show for our last show, like he, Daryl Henderson graded out really well in rushing yards over expected. But still, you know who graded even better in rushing yards over expected that is in an identical situation, who isn't going to have his ADP like blown all the way up to maybe the fourth, fifth round, maybe even higher? Damian Harris of the Patriots. So the reason I'm going Chase Edmonds is you can take Edmonds because A, he's just a better fantasy running back, mm-hmm. and, and B, you can get a better version of Daryl Henderson later in drafts with Damian, Damian Harris. Now, Chase Edmonds, last year, he finished as RB33, I believe, in in points per game in PPR. That's his floor. He was splitting time with Kenyon Drake. Yes, he'll split times with James Conner. That's Chase Edmonds' floor, is that he finishes as an RB3, with the upside to be maybe a top RB2, possibly. Like, if they feature him, as we've seen with Chase Edmonds, when they – feed him the ball he has put up league winning performances he's put up two of them where he's been the rb1 daryl henderson doesn't have that upside like even he had two back-to-back games last season where he had over 120 yards and in those games he scored a touchdown and he still finished outside rb10 because he's capped he doesn't have a receiving upside at all like there's no upside whatsoever to Henderson. So why the hell are, are people going to draft him as an RB two? Because you know they're going to bring someone else in, and like 
you can tell who the fool in your draft is because it's going to be the person that drafts Daryl Henderson way above where he needs to go. Sorry. I've probably gone over my few minutes there, but for PFF, like be better, be better P- PFF. Um, my quick response is that you pretty much said it, man. I mean, <clears throat> it, and I, I would only add that it, I, listening to the pod father this past week agility if you look at the agility metric there's some correlation with that he mentions how tevin coleman he was great in burst but as a lead runner it just wasn't it and daryl henderson very similar profile so when you look at that Mm -hmm. and because i notice little things like that because agility is is one of the correlations i found with rushing quarterbacks like the the quarterbacks without agility they're not going to be as mobile in the pocket is is what i found so you can make little core correlations like that and there seems to be something about that lack of agility that hinders these guys from being more of a complete back and and so, yes, I mean, Chase Edmonds, it, all he needs is – I look at it like this. Last year, it was kind of a 1A, 1B situation, right? Mm-hmm. This year, I expect it to be Chase Edmonds and James Conner as more of that, you know, complementary back instead of a 1B situation. And if so, the dude had 5.7 yards per touch last year, which seventh per, for the position – Production premium of plus 16.4, 12th at the position. And this dude, 289 routes he ran, 6th at the position. So it, you're looking at this stuff and given a, even a little bit more opportunity, he could crush it for you. And uh, I just don't think you get that upside from Henderson. So I, I'm with you all the way, my friend. All Absolutely. the way. All right. Who do I choose? Oh, Stafford versus Brady. <laughs> Be careful. You know who our guest is next week. For this <laughs> okay. Tom Brady. Mr. EDG's boy. Look, I know what he's capable of. I know what he's done. But I'm going to go Matt Stafford. <laughs> and, and here's why. I don't have any real evidence that similar ADP Brady was a top 10 quarterback last year. He has ridiculous weapons. The same team is returning. He was playing injured last year, blah, 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 blah. But he did struggle a bit in the playoffs against better defenses, maybe injury related. Sure. But here's my thing for 2021. I have a hard time. Because if you get Brady, it's assuming he's your quarterback one. Now, maybe in a super flex, but I, 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 here's the thing. Here's the thing. Father time is undefeated. I know it's a cliche and it's stupid and all of that. But at some point, at some point, it's going to hit Tom Brady. And sure, you could go, yeah, well, any quarterback could get hurt at any time. See, now I'm starting to go through this, and I'm like, man, it, the answer is Tom Brady, isn't it? It's Tom Brady. I'm trying to talk it, it, to Matthew Stafford, but the answer is Tom Brady, which is exactly what I was thinking was going to happen when I was trying to write all this down. But the problem is, 
I just don't like Tom Brady. I <laughs> really, I, I don't see honestly how you don't take Tom Brady over Matthew Stafford. I, I think Stafford's going to kill it this year. I just have an issue. I, just like I would rather take a chance personally uh, on on a guy like Stafford who in this new environment with the, and yes, the can makers news hurts, but he could really have a hell of a year. The can makers might mean they, the injury might mean they throw a little bit more because they don't have that fucking killer dude at the running back position. So I don't know. I could see Stafford definitely potentially making his way to quarter uh, QB one this year, Tom Brady, unless he gets hurt. And even then, who knows? He's going to do his thing, most likely. <clears throat> I just, and it's not just him. I just do have a hard time looking at the Bucks and saying, oh, they're just going to come out and do the same shit. Like, teams just don't do that. Even the Patriots struggle to do that. You, you know, really come out and kill it two years in a row. It, it's hard to do the back-to-back Super Bowl wins, you know? So it, I just... I feel like, you know, there's quite a few good teams. It's, it's, I just, ah, I don't know. Can he do that, you know, create that same magic that they had last year? Because I know the signs point to yes, he'll be healthier. He'll have another year with the Bucks. I, I get all of that. But it, it's, I just am like, I remember Peyton Manning and the decline just was like, whew, people seem to forget when he first went to Denver, who that offense was fucking legit. Mm-hmm. And then the year they won the Super Bowl, Manning was a shell of himself. And I know he had more serious injuries he dealt with and all of that. But like, I just, Tom Brady's not going to play forever. And it's just like, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's Tom Brady. It's Tom Brady. But I do really do like Stafford this year. I, I'm just – I was trying to do it, but it's just not going to work. EDG's yeah. right. I'm still going to argue with him. <laughs> yeah. And he's absolutely right because, like, when you look, there are some parallels between Stafford and Brady. Uh, you look at right. Brady in 2019. Of course, in the Patriots, he had, to put it nicely, a lackluster supporting cast then he goes to tampa bay the next year in 2020 and you talked about like he he put up all these great numbers like look if you look on player profiler like there's a lot of number ones by tom brady and passing stats and with matthew stafford yes he man he's a gunslinger we've we have seen it. There was there was a season, was it 2018, where he got injured. He broke his freaking back. He had a broken vertebrae. But he was on pace for like 5,000 yards and 38 right. touchdowns. Like he he has the ability. And, it, and there was excitement when he went to the Rams because it's Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. And there was Cam Akers at that time. And even, even Higby was, was a decent tight end too. It was like, Oh, Matthew Stafford is going to go from what he had last season, a, you could put it nicely, a lackluster receiving core to suddenly having lots of weapons. They actually average similar fantasy points. You take Brady's 2019, he averaged 16.4 fantasy points. Stafford last year, 16.7. So Brady obviously put up top 10. I want to say he finished right at quarterback 10 of fantasy points per game. And that's what we expect with Stafford. I... I know it may be bold, but I do think the Rams are 
they were going to be top five in passing anyways, even yeah. with even with acres. Like you don't you don't pay the price they paid to move from Jared Goff to Matthew Stafford without the intention of we want to pass the ball more. Mm-hmm. And also Sean McVay offenses before whatever 2020 was with Jared Goff, 2018 and 2019, the Rams were a top five passing yards team. Um, there are the similarities. The, the difference is just quite, quite frankly, you look at Brady, not like it's great that he has all the weapons, but Stafford's already at the disadvantage because he's lost one of his big ones in Cam Akers, where Brady still has all, all the guys there. Like you're, you're right. It's hands down. It's Tom Brady. We, we hope Stafford could be that, but like if you're draft, you can't go Stafford over Brady right now. Like you are, if you do that, you are hoping that he can, he can be what Tom Brady already is already showed last year and should like, there shouldn't be any questions that he can continue to produce what he did last year. Like if he went out and threw another 4,700 yards and 40 touchdowns, we want to bat an eye. He's going to have an Antonio Brown in a full off season workout um, program. Cause before there was, there was no training camp. They brought him in mid uh, about mid season uh, mm-hmm. on that. So continuity, even bigger weapons. there, just getting used to things. Even the running backs where Fournette was trying to figure out his role and now has a better idea of what his role is on top of even bringing in a guy like Giovanni Bernard. So man, like Brady has the weapons to succeed. And Stafford is losing weapons. Yeah, like I said, in all seriousness, you have to go Tom Brady. Absolutely. But I also just have this goddamn feeling, Aaron, that this season is not going to go the way people think it will for the Bucs. I don't know what it is, but I also feel like it's – because with Tom Brady, I can't sit there and go – like I said, yeah, he could (laughs) – he could totally hit like that Manning wall that, you know, that Peyton did and totally just derail. Hey, father time's here. But again, any quarterback could get injured at any time, you know, so it's it. That's not a correct argument. So the answer is Tom Brady. I'm just I'll, I'll be interested to see what they do, because I, I do feel like everybody's just so sure about the bucks this year. And I just feel like anytime people are so sure about something, it usually derails somehow. I just, I don't know, but we move on. We move on. Fucking Tom Brady. (laughs) All right. Three in a row. We haven't had any spin agains. We haven't had any of that. Okay. No repeats. So we got Claypool, Iuke, Judy, they're all going in like basically a round and a half, two round uh, space in drafts right now. And I want to hear your thoughts, Mr. Aaron. Who are these three second year receivers would you take for this coming year? And I think I know who. Oh, you you know who. Absolutely. But I want to start with the fun fact I found about all three of these guys. Not only is their ADP right around the same but also their air yard shares from last season was eerily similar. They were all around a 31% air yard share. So that's remarkable. So these teams have got some second year receivers. They're very enticing. I'm going to start to, 
I start to do a process of elimination. The first guy I eliminate is Jerry Judy. Nothing wrong with profile. He's more of the guy I would like in Dynasty. Yes. The problem with Judy is... Drew Locke. Drew Locke. <laughs> the, the quarterback situation is a little iffy. Um, on top of that, though, it, beyond the quarterback play is that of these three teams, the 49ers, the Steelers, and the Broncos, the Broncos are more, more than likely going to be the team that runs the ball more. They're going to be a slower yes. paced team. And on defensive top of that, head coach, defensive head coach, I know it's kind of a narrative, but also that what they do in the draft, they traded up for a running back. Yes. Um, with the Broncos, they also have Cortland Sutton coming back from ACL, ACL injuries all around. If Sutton's healthy, Sutton is the number one. And then even with Jerry Judy, the number two, they have some quality receiving options too. Noah Fant is that was a guy that was getting seven, eight, or more targets in games. Like he is a threat for Judy's role as the number two. Uh, receiver mm-hmm. in terms of targets and even a guy like tim patrick that your casual yep. football fans don't really know tim patrick was good last year he and, is a and good I receiver have, yeah i have him as their number three yes i know kj hamler but i feel like patrick is at this point of his career versus hamler patrick is the guy that is going to be starting in three receiver sets and fant and patrick they're not threats to take judy's role as the number two Fant a little bit, but like those are going to be guys that take a lot of targets away. I'm concerned with target share and pace of play for Jerry Judy. I'm not concerned. I'm not knocking him for the drops. That stupid people don't knock players for drops. But when it gets to Brandon Ayuk and Chase Claypool, I actually have a brief question for you. Really quick one. Yes. So we know that Claypool scored 11 touchdowns, right? Ayuk scored six. Who had the higher red zone target share? Ayuk. Ayuk, yep. Surprisingly, and by a significant margin. So Brandon Ayuk, his fun fact is, of all the 2020 rookie receivers, he was the only rookie receiver with a 20% target share, with at least, sorry, at least a 20% target share and at least a 20% Red zone target share. Think of all those Very receivers. Nice. Justin Jefferson, he on a technicality didn't quite clear the 20% red zone target share, but still Ayuk is the only one. He's in his own class there. Chase Claypool, cool. Chase Claypool, his target share last year, 16.7% target share. And his red zone target share is probably surprising. It was 15.7%. You'd think with all the touchdowns that he was he got around 20 percent i feel like he ran a few in he rushed a few in yes and and also his thing is he he was a deep threat so it's i'm concerned what the reason i'm choosing Ayuk is when you look at chase claypool there is concern about target share because he's got some great competition just amongst receivers on his team in deontay johnson and juju smith schuster that does kind of limit his ceiling a little bit there are some things he can improve on. There was a lot of unrealized air yards. But Brandon Ayuk, who exceeded a 23% target share and a 23% red zone target share, that that's remarkable. Like I don't think I don't think we talk nearly enough about how good of a rookie season Ayuk had 
because, well, obviously Justin Jefferson was breaking records, but I'm not worried about Debo Samuel. I'm not. Like Samuel is a solid player. He's not IU. He's nowhere close. And for George Kittle, I know it's it's the narrative of, oh, Kittle's there and IU is not going to do anything. We saw Ayuk get better and better as the season progressed. And now in the new season, you've got Brandon Ayuk now as an established second-year player that we know is good. He knows he's good. He was incredibly productive. And they also like to use him on like designed runs in different ways to get the ball in his hand. But for me, like what really separated him and, and Chase Claypool, because I think the, the 49ers have – the ability to pass the ball more this season than they did last year. And they're already starting to lose some running backs as well. And Trey Lance is the type of quarterback that like he, as a scrambler, he may open the, the deep pass because you look at his, I want to say it's his adjusted yards per attempt amongst all those rookie quarterbacks. He had the highest one. I, I'm, I'm, of course, using his 2019 set because 2020 he played one game. But still, it's this is a guy that's not afraid to just fling that ball. He'll scramble, and then if someone's open downfield, he keeps his eyes. And that that's Ayuk's game. That's Debo mm-hmm. is just the low average depth of target. I I'm excited for Brandon Ayuk. Like it's it's easy for me to have Ayuk over these other two. Yes, uh, I 100% agree. And normally I'm someone who's, you know, I go with the lower ADP in, Mm -hmm. you know, usually in in these kinds of situations. These guys are a little bit um, higher up in the draft. So it's definitely, to me, Ayuk, everything you said is correct with the Trey Lancey offense, Jerry Judy, the quarterback situation with Denver. um, I just, the upside in San Francisco, I'm really intrigued by what this offense will look like when Trey Lance is starting. And then the only thing I would add is with Claypool is um, you had mentioned, well, you know, there's questions in general about the Steelers offense heading into this season, but even if they play, you know, well, or close to up to, you know, their standards, even if that happens, it's not just, you know, they did draft Friermuth in the second round, uh, you know, They've got Najee Harris. I mean, and not to mention, people tend to forget about James Washington. He he's no slouch, and Big Ben does target him. I've watched plenty last year where it's like it, it feels like Big Ben does like him and looks for for Washington at times. So, I I do feel like it, it's it, it, it you know one has a lot more competition. The other one is not in the right offense for this year, and Ayuk uh, is just like wheels up and i love it and i love it all right we move on to the next one ah spin again <laughs> i like that one. We've been said do- spin again we've been doing pretty good oh henders and we've been doing pretty good up until now now we're starting to get down there and uh now okay. we're actually getting the ones that say spin again oh there we go Ooh. White guy, wide receiver alert. Bird, bird, bird. All right. <laughs> Actually, I just made that connection. I, I... <laughs> All right. So we got a couple more guys, similar ADPs, right? Mm-hmm. And um, man, I will start out by saying I love Adam Thielen. I've been an Adam Thielen fan of forever. I remember having him on a taxi squad. 
and just waiting to see if he would get his opportunity. And he did. And it's been amazing. <clears throat> but he's getting a little up there, dealing with some injuries. And um, obviously, Cup is the answer in Dynasty. But I also believe Cooper Cup is the answer for this year. Um, Minnesota, they've got their improved defense. And I imagine Zimmer wants to get back to more defense and running. And if they have an improved defense, he'll be able to do more of that. There's no way Thielen's going to replicate the double-digit touchdowns. There's going to be regression there. And meanwhile, Cooper Cup gets the quarterback upgrade in the aforementioned Matthew Stafford. And Akers' injury certainly opens up a few targets. And I'm just going to go, hey, it's similar ADPs. I'm going to go with the guy on the ascending offense. And that's the way I'm looking at it. Um, so I like Cooper Cup in this one. I'm sorry, Adam. I love you, Adam. That's all I got. Hey. And I will say when I have my notes here, I did lean cup, but also I think I can provide at least the other side uh, for Thielen real quick too on this. Um, obviously you mentioned the touchdowns, the touchdowns are not a sticky stat. That's correct. Because Cooper cup is a perfect example. He scored what, like three touchdowns this, this past season and the year before he was one of the touchdown leaders with right. nine or 10. I, I, I don't have those numbers, but I do remember going, wow, what a, what a change, what a difference a year can be. So the, the things that do stick from year to year, though, is the target share. And, and actually, both these receivers do have similar target shares. Cup's advantage is that should be more of a pass-happy team. So mm -hmm. even with a slight edge and target share to Adam Thielen, Cooper Cup, they should have more pass plays. But one of the, the target share stats, Adam Thielen exceeded a remarkable 36% red zone target share. So, yes, 14 touchdowns, like that's that's almost impossible for, for him to get 14, but still a 36% red zone target share in which I don't know if I can pull up 2019 at all. Let's see. Okay, so his his that actually doubled his red zone target share in 2019, but it, if that red zone target share, even if it drops, like let's say that it goes somewhere in the middle, I think that, that may be fair. So let's say somewhere between, let's say 26, 27%. That's still a really good red zone target share. Would it be 14 touchdowns? No, but that could still end up being eight or nine touchdowns. Yeah. One of the other sticky stats too is air yards and air yard shares. Adam Thielen had close to 1,300 air yards. That was number 21 amongst receivers. And the air yard share at 35.3% was number 11 amongst receivers. So there are still some sticky stats there for Thielen that show that oh, for sure. still be productive. It's uh, the unrealized air yards. He had a, a whopping 560 unrealized air yards. So he may, he may get up to a thousand receiving yards. That is the funny thing was he was so good. He was a top 12, a top 12 fantasy receiver, despite the fact that he had under a thousand yards. 
<laughs> it's crazy, but still, there are some good things to like about Adam Thielen. And probably the last point on that one is, yes, it is a slower offense. It should be a more uh, a more run-oriented team. But the thing that we do at least know with this is that the targets are going to be consolidated. It's going to be Justin hmm. Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, and maybe Irv Smith. Like the, those may be the only four guys that really catch passes. Sprinkle in a little bit of whoever the number three receiver is and a little bit of Tyler Conklin. So that, that does help Thielen is that it's a slower offense, but he, you know, the 108 targets he got last year, he should still easily exceed 100 targets again. Um, and then not that we want to project injuries, but if something God forbid happens to Justin Jefferson. Right. Thielen is going to get even more of those targets because there's just not enough there in the passing game. Right. But I will say, I mentioned all that was saying that, yes, I did take the cup side and for, <laughs> and for the reasons that you mentioned, but I found that one to be a little bit closer than some it of the It was definitely, it was definitely hard. And I, I was almost like, I, I think it's Thielen in 21, and then after that it's – but I was like, I just feel like the last year was Thielen's last, like, really big year. I Got think he, he's kind of starting – he's going to kind of start to go down a little bit from here on out. And I hope I'm wrong because I love the dude. He's one of my favorite wide receivers, but um, we'll see. We'll see. All right. We had a couple categories left. We'll see if we can hit on one of them here. And we did Logan Thomas versus Dallas Goddard. What do you got for me, my friend? This was tough for me as well, man, because I love both these fuckers. So bring it to me. What you got, Aaron? I think for for me, initially on the surface, I was with you. I was like, oh, that's that's a difficult one. And then I started digging in a little bit. And I was like, oh, it's kind of it's pretty lopsided. So I am a hundred percent on board with Dallas Goddard over Logan Thomas on this one. And really I want to focus more on Logan Thomas and, and why I don't like him. And I drafted him on my Scott Fishbowl team, but there are some concerning things. First, let's start with some of the stats from last season. Holy moly. Number one in snap shares mm. amongst tight ends. He played 98% of snaps. In that time, he was also number one in routes, 576, and number one in slot snaps with 474. That slot rate was 48.4% slot rate. Um, so roughly half his, his snaps were coming out of the slot. This is where it gets messy. You follow what Washington, the, the Washington football team did. They addressed receiver. They addressed receiver multiple times. But from, from free agency, their gem was Curtis Samuel, who in which Curtis Samuel, Curtis Samuel was utilized. I have the numbers here somewhere. I don't, I don't even see it. Oh, it's on my tweet. It's but Curtis Samuel ran, I want to say it was like 400 slot snaps. Let me pull it up just to make sure on that one. Curtis Samuel was utilized a lot in the slot. And Adam right. Humphreys was hurt. While I'm pulling up the stat with Samuel, Adam hum Humphreys was hurt. But when he played, it, it was something like 75% of his snaps came in the slot. Curtis Samuel 
played 340 snaps in the slot and was number 19 amongst receivers. I mentioned this because those guys are in the slot. That means Logan Thomas is more than likely not in the slot. So how, how does that affect things there? Because he was getting a lot of volume, mainly because that the passing game options last year was Terry McLaurin and Logan Thomas and nobody else. Like that's why J.D. McKissick got 110 targets out of the backfield. The, the other thing too with Washington is their game script. Like they were a pretty simple team to look and see at what they did. Last year, they had a negative 3.94 game script. That was number 25. So they were playing from behind a lot. And being a bottom quarter of the league in game script, they were also a top quarter team in pass plays per game. They had 40.7 pass plays per game. So it was pretty simple. They fell behind. They started throwing the ball. But I do think Washington's going to be better this year. They actually hmm. they have a solid defense. They have probably an underrated defense. And, and top of that, when, when you have a better defense, you're not having to play from behind as much and also better quarterback play. Like they shouldn't, they should be able to move the ball a little bit better to not get in early holes. So I just don't see Washington throwing the ball as much. And then on top of that, Logan Thomas, who is the slot monster at the tight end position, they brought in a lot of guys that play the slot. Now, for Dallas Goddard, Goddard was so good. Like, such an efficient guy. He was number 15 in tight ends in fantasy points per route and fantasy points per target. Uh, he was number six in two efficiency stats. I like target premium and production premium. And when I looked at these two guys – Logan Thomas has a 0% chance of leading his team in targets. Zero. I mean, there's Terry McLaurin. And even if McLaurin goes down, like Curtis Samuel will have more targets than Logan Thomas. But for Dallas Goddard, there, there's a chance. Like you can, you can look at that roster right now with a rookie Devontae Smith and a second-year receiver Jalen Rager that, that was disappointing last year. Like you can, you could realistically say that Goddard is the target leader in Philadelphia this season. I think it's still, I would still say low, but whereas Logan Thomas is 0%, Dallas Goddard is something percent. And top of that with, with Dallas Goddard, he gets all the good targets. He had, he was number seven in deep targets last year, and he had a 20% red zone target uh, target rate. So Goddard gets all the targets that in the areas that matter. And if he, uh, I don't know, let's say Thomas, Logan Thomas had over a hundred targets last season. I can see Dallas Goddard getting a hundred targets this season. Mm. But what about you? And you said it was pretty close for you. For me, it was easily Goddard. I still, I, even after everything you said, I still, because I wrote down a lot of uh, the Logan Thomas, um, because initially I went Thomas because I do have some questions. It, I, I've heard a lot of NFL people and a lot of people really think the Eagles are going to be bad. Now, maybe that yeah. means like the Washington's you're behind, you're throwing more. And, um, and I agree with you, the target competition that's coming to Washington, but I still, I, and, and I'm very much with you on the amount of snap 
of, of or being in the slot, amount of snaps in the slot. And they brought in guys that can handle that. I very much get it. But this dude was number one at the position in snap share routes, route percentage. You mentioned some of this, like, I don't believe Ron Rivera or the offense. I don't believe he's played that fucking much if they don't believe in the, in Logan Thomas, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I understand taking away slot snaps could be a huge blow, but I don't think they'll be throwing less. Um, I think I agree. They should have a better offense, better team all around. They won't be behind as often, but I also believe they'll be in more games. They'll be able to throw. And it sounds like there's a quarterback competition brewing between Fitzpatrick and the one Mr. Heineke that I've talked about a few times. And I think either one of those guys, they're going to come out throwing the ball. It's it, the, the quarterback play is going to be vastly improved to what it was from last year when it was, yeah. you know, Haskins and, and, and the returning Alex Smith, which bravo, awesome for do that. That was great to see, but you know, he was a shell of himself basically. And so it's, it, it, you know, you get them uh, fired up Fitz magic until he turns Fitz tragic, or you get some Taylor Heineke with a chance to finally do something. And, uh, you know, with the opportunity finally, and we'll see what happens. So I, I definitely feel it's a lot closer, but I agree with you when it comes down to it, the Zachert shit still being in Philly doesn't bother me. Uh, like I said, my biggest questions I think is really is, is like what, the fuck are they going to do? Like they're one of the teams supposedly interested in Deshaun Watson. I'm going to assume Jalen Hurts would be in that deal. Like what the fuck becomes of the Eagles this year if they trade Hurts to help get Watson and Watson suspended, you know? Uh, but I think no matter what, when it comes down to it, you're right. Goddard has a real chance of being like the Travis Kelsey, like not necessarily uh, up there in that tier, not what I mean, but like, the potential number one weapon on the team right. or at least one B, <laughs> you know, like th that's a very real possibility. Whereas, you know, I do think there's probably, um, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of a dissent for Logan Thomas when you really look at things, but I, I still, I still believe Logan Thomas is going to get plenty of run just when you look at what he did last year, I don't believe the coaches are going to go, oh, well, now we'll barely use him. You know, <laughs> like I, I have a hard time believing that, you know, even though they brought in slight. I mean, obviously they can see they got a talented playmaker on their hands, you know. So, uh, you know, I still feel like he'll be involved enough to warrant uh, um, being in in, you know, that tight end discussion. But when it comes down to it, yes, it's Goddard and. You know, Ertz will be gone soon enough. I'm not worried about that. Not worried about that at all. So I'll just get right into the last topic. Sweet. This is another crazy one, I thought. And I may be wrong here, but we have Travis Etienne or James Robinson. And you know what? I think it's real, real close again. <laughs> but I'm actually going to go James Robinson. And... I know Travis Etienne has the draft capital and the connection with the quarterback and, you know, Urban Meyer is going to want to get him involved and get him in use. And he could really be something, 
great in PPR. But I think people forget that James Robinson is really good too, man. Like uh, people really forget about this shit. I mean, he has, we talked about earlier, that agility. He has burst in agility. Okay. He has that in his game. He was fifth in rush yards last year, 14th in reception yards with a 81.7% catch rate, which was eighth at the position. His dominator rating was 31.8%, just fourth at the position. Not only that, on this terrible team last year, 423 yards created, sixth at the position. Now, maybe they use him enough. Maybe he becomes available for, for trade because ATN is that good. But James Robinson is hashtag good at football. And I love this dude. And I think they're going to see enough to say, yeah, we have to use James Robinson or you have to trade him because he, 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 he's going to be involved. And I just think maybe if the Jaguars offense is better, spending more time in the red zone, uh, that could be very much a guy that gets goal line work, you know, like they Urban Meyer's already said, now you got to be careful with coach speak, obviously, but he, they want James Robinson to be the hammer. If he, if he turns out to be the hammer, he's going to be a hell of a hammer is all I'm saying. So, uh, and, and then you, you know, I, I just, I, I guess for me, I'm going to roll James Robinson this year, but obviously long-term you got to go ATN, but, um, I do think this year, I I trust in James Robinson this year. I trust in James Robinson in 2021. Thank you. Thank you very much. Aaron, on to you. Well, I I do want to start with poor James Robinson. Like, yeah, he he does just consistently get shitted on. He gets shit on all the time, man. I can't stand it. Yeah, and and it's weird because, like, we've never really had – I can't really recall of a running back that came off a season that James Robinson had where he was a top 10 fantasy running back in points per game. And, and suddenly you're getting him closer to pick 100. Like that's, that's like on the surface, you know, you put no context on that. You go, Oh yeah. Like I'll absolutely take that running back. Like, are you kidding me? Like why the heck is he falling? So, so low. Um, But I'm also intrigued with Travis Etienne, I'll, I'll take the other side on this one. And, and the reason why is it, it I get is it. it You're start. probably right. <laughs> well, but I think that you've mentioned, you mentioned great points with James Robinson. Like he, like in terms of value, in terms of like getting a guy at pick 100. Oh yeah. I forgot if to mention something ADP, yeah. happens, Right. Like if something happens, God forbid, like, I mean, what people are saying about Daryl Henderson like Daryl Henderson's not that. That's what James Robinson is. But right. the reason I'm taking ETN is it starts on player profiler. When you look at the best best comparable player for ETN, you get one DeAndre Swift, who is second year running back, so rookie running back. And one of mm. the things I like when I'm looking at value is ETN is going around. I believe pick 63. I'm going to confirm that real quick. But while that's while that's popping up, like the DeAndre Swift last year was going what round four my memory serves correct like he was going super early Mm -hmm. in in drafts last year and redraft 
And okay, so I was off a few spots. Travis Etienne is going at pick 60.9. So right around, he's he is right in the fifth round in terms of underdog okay. ADP. And DeAndre Swift was was fourth round and started to creep into the third round last season. And, and they the two players, they have some similarities in, of what their situations were in their rookie season. When DeAndre Swift went to Detroit, there was one Adrian Peterson who shall never die. He will <laughs> always remain. He it, uh, next Frank, Frank Gore. Frank Gore 2.0. Uh, and you know what? Props to, to AP. If you can, if someone's going to give you a job and he's yeah. been able to produce, good for yeah. you. And, and ETN kind of came into the same thing too with there was, there's James Robinson, as you mentioned. He's not, Robinson's not going to suddenly not have any touches in this offense. He clearly is. But I mentioned Swift because Swift kind of had this, you, they, you could see the potential because he was heavily involved in the passing game. And, and shoot, that may be what ETN starts off this season. If you remember DeAndre Swift's rookie season, but he was, he was getting like five catches a game. And, and like he, he might have like four carries. But he, his passing game involvement at least allowed him to be usable in fantasy football. I mean, it was like RB2. Like it was more of a flex play at that. And even then, you're like, man, I really wish that Swift was getting double-digit touches. But because of his passing game involvement, he was at least viable in, in the flex. And that's what I see for ETN as well. Is like that may be how it starts. But oh, my goodness. Like when – as that season progresses and they start to realize that no offense to James Robinson, he's not ETN. And, and then the Jaguars start to feature, you know, even a 60 40 split for ETN where ETN's getting the, the more that he's getting the better touches for PPR leagues, the, the receptions, the ETN has this fantastic upside to possibly win you a championship. Kind of mm -hmm. what Swift did like Swift last season, in week 10 against Washington was like the, the breakout game for Swift. It was when Swift finally got like a 75% snap share, looked fantastic. He put up 25.9 points per game and then unfortunately got like hurt or something in that game. And we didn't see him for another few weeks. It's like, ah, oh, we, we finally got something nice and it was taken away. But then when he did come back to finish the season, he was, he was putting up top 20 RB numbers uh, on a weekly basis, even though he was back to playing around 60% snap share on that. And I can see that with ETN. Sure, Robinson can have all the work on the ground, all the work that they want. He could be the, the first and second down grinder back. He, he, he could be between the 20s, you know, sure, have that. As long as ETN's getting work, third downs, passing game involvement, and shoot, when, when you get to the when you get to the red zone and you have Trevor Lawrence and the team drafted, the Jaguars drafted ETN. They absolutely drafted him because he played with Trevor Lawrence. Like, oh, for ETN's, sure. Yeah, ETN's going to be in more productive fantasy situations. And like I said, the parallels with DeAndre Swift, not only is he a comparable athlete, but just their rookie season uh, parallels of what they're having to overcome there. ETN going in the fifth round has some potential, you, you know, Probably have to be patient because you'll have the same frustrations that DeAndre Swift owners from last year had. I, I remember picking up Swift off waivers because someone dropped him. But 
ETN could be that second half guy where your top three or four picks, your your what your top yeah top four picks there kind of carry your team, and then hey, if ETN in the fifth round can come in to help push your team over the top in the second half, then awesome. So, but I I will also say Robinson like if you're gonna draft these backup handcuffed running backs, like stop drafting a Daryl Henderson, like stop saying that, oh, Henderson is going to be this featured back. No, that's what Robinson is if something happens to ETN. Henderson is just a guy. Sorry, I brought it all the way back to Henderson. No, that's all right. I agree. (laughs) So is Alexander Madison. That's one that drives me crazy. Everybody loves Alexander Madison. I'm like, give me Mike Boone because when – and now give me Kane Nguyenwu because mm-hmm. now if something does happen to Dalvin Cook, it's going to be Madison and the other dude. It's not going to be just Ma- Madison Absolutely. doesn't take – people are way over – on Madison. It, it, it blows my mind. <clears throat> He's Crazy. done no, nothing to really show – anyway. <laughs> um, I actually like everything you said because I'll be honest, the main reason I went James Robinson is because I'm assuming most everyone – would go ATN and you're probably right, but I do think it's important not to forget about James Robinson. And I would also say there's a bit of a different situation. James Robinson isn't an aging running back who there's really no plan. I mean, clinging on to his career, he's doing the Frank Gore, you know, it's a bit, different situation than a second year running back who's actually shown he he can be the main guy you know and and that he can catch passes like that's one of the things pre-draft that was like everybody was like no they'll draft I mean they did draft a running back so I can't talk shit but but I was like everybody's like no they're gonna draft a pass catching running back and I'm like why does do people not realize James Robinson catch the fucking ball so I do think more than likely ATN ends up on top when the year ends, but don't be surprised if somehow it is James Robinson or that at least it's a lot closer than most people think, because I think a lot of people are just writing Robinson off and, and you never know, maybe ATN does prove to be that special that early. And they say, Hey, Rams, anybody, you need some James Robinson, huh? Like Rams, you need a running back. Here's some James Robinson because I love me some James Robinson and that would be a good fit if you ask me. So put Henderson right back on the bench where he belongs. (laughs) I think James Robinson would be just fine in that Rams offense. So uh, I just, and I'm not saying James Robinson is as good as ATN. I just think he's getting dissed way too much that he's going to get more work than people think. And uh, I I just, I love his value right now. So I just, uh, I love me some J-Rod. And part of it is because he was a guy that I hit on in that undrafted article. But but really, that's part of why I liked him so much was just, I really felt like, what is the, why is this guy, you you know, why, first of all, why to get undrafted? You know, one of those questions. And it's just, I was so happy to see him do well last year. And so I'd like to see him, continuous success and i think he's going to be a a bit of a thorn in the atn owner's side owners of those who roster atn you know james robinson is going to be a pain in your ass a little bit this year this year (laughs) this year after that don't worry about it but this year anyway okay we're going to get ready to end this 
tea party. Aaron, did you have any final thoughts before we get ready to end things tonight? Uh, it was an excellent episode today. Some fun topics. Man, you, you came up with a great show sheet for us. Lots oh, of thanks, fun points. I, I yeah, hope the listeners. Fun. I hope the listeners were able to take the things that we that we talked about to help make those tough decisions. Because as you mentioned, these these debates that that we had here or discussions we had with players, they're guys that are usually going around the same spot. So it's mm-hmm. it's difficult. But if you can find the if you can find the differentiating factor, the the difference maker. Uh, between these that's the important thing so take what ryan and i said tonight to heart yes and i think we mostly agreed but i think we've also made some good arguments um, on certain ones for the other side uh, as well and uh so yeah i think it was fun and hey we're close to getting our guillotine league uh our guillotine draft going my friend we're getting close to that so i'm excited for that maybe we'll get an underworld one going as well and uh, as far as next week we have our good friend edg returning to the show to smash some more tom brady shit in my face which is okay i tried to get it i tried to do it tonight i so wanted to like i'm gonna pull this off even if it sounds like bullshit i'm gonna say straight face and i'm just i'm going through and i'm like god damn it it's tom brady what am i talking about Tom Brady anyway so we have the great EDG back with us next week that's going to be fun it's going to be fun all right again once once again Aaron any final thoughts are you ready to get the hell out of here get some sleep well I'm going to get some sleep I'm going to get rested (laughs) this week as you mentioned EDG is going to join us next week the early down grinder Chris it's going to be a good show I don't even know what we're going to talk about yet but I can already tell you it's going to be a great show. He has been, he has been ready. I, he's got some bones to pick with both of us on things we've said over the past couple of months. So I oh, can't Lord. wait. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a fun one. A spicy one, I hope. Oh, yeah. So until then, let's get the hell out of here. Let's get out of here. Until next week, until next time, everyone take care. <sighs> They met oh everyone. God, Have a great week. Bring the chatter, the heron. Talk off for now. Yes. <laughs>